Uh, well, as the, they're passing out, you can turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter uh, 3. Um, uh, we do just have a couple announcements that are on there. Uh, first is a big uh, thank you for those who helped out with the bridal shower. I heard it was a wonderful time, uh, really w- well done. So thank you, ladies, for, for, for being there um, and encouraging uh, those brides-to-be. Uh, we have a, um, a baby shower on March 9th uh, for Kristen Bowers. Make sure you're aware of that. Uh, this coming, um, I'm sorry, March 15th, we have a members meeting at 4.30, so be, um, mark your calendars there. Uh, we'll be talking about some, some financial matters as well as some, some membership issues, so um, plan to attend. Uh, also, on, Genu- on uh, March uh, 22nd, we have a, a Generation Link interest lunch. So I'm going to ask you to just pray uh, for that because um, every year we've had a, a, about you know, seven to about 12 interns uh, over the summer, and they kind of help teach uh, our kids' classes on Wednesday night, kind of giving our Wednesday night teachers a break, uh, as well as helping out with Sunday school. So we're just praying that God would give us 10 interns, uh, 12 interns is what we were praying for, 12 specific interns for the summer. So uh, please be praying uh, for, uh, for that. Well, we're going to uh, dive in uh, the Word tonight. So Ephesians chapter 4, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, one. I'll read, pray, and then we'll dive into the text. God's Word. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the calling, the high calling that you have given us. Father, we pray that you would help us now as we study your word, that you would convict our hearts, and then you would use this passage to do what this passage desires, that you would indeed uh, make us a people of patience and gentleness, and that you would allow us to bear with one another, and that you would help bring unity to us, uh, all for the glory of your name. So bless us now, we pray, as we open your word. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so those of you who have been with us, we've been kind of going through the book uh, of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, is, a, is a little bit different in terms of the, uh, the turn of, of this book. We looked at it a little bit last week, but the first three chapters is doctrine. Uh, Paul is trying to lay out some doctrine, some key elements of, of, of our Christian faith, really highlighting the gospel and the unity that we have in the gospel, God bringing two groups, the Jews and the Gentile, coming together with one. He's tearing down the wall of hostility uh, through the, 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 His blood uh, shed on the cross, uh, uniting two people, one who are near and those who are far off, making them one people. And that, that is the, the, the kind of the essence, really, of the, the book of Ephesians, this idea that God is going to make two people uh, one. Uh, and then here, in the beginning of chapter 4, it's the therefore. So based on everything that I just said, everything on the, on the, on the, of the gospel, uh, the, that we've been called to Christ, that we have been set apart before the foundation of the world to be adopted as His sons and daughters, sealed to the day of redemption, all these great, wonderful truths, now this is how we live, right? Uh, it's important that you don't forget that because sometimes when you hear the, the commands of Scripture, you hear the therefore 
live this way, you forget that it's connected to the gospel, and it can sound like legalism and rules, but that's not it at all. It's based on these glorious truths and all that Christ has done for you. Has He's allowed you to be united to the Father through His Son, that you have all these, this great inheritance that is to come based on the, the beauty and the glory of the gospel. I now charge you. Now, notice what this text begins. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He just kind of throws that little nugget in there, that little phrase, a prisoner for the Lord. Remember, where is Paul writing this letter from? He's writing this from a prison. Uh, that is not just code speak that I'm, I'm a slave for Christ. He really is a slave for Christ. He really is a prisoner. And just remember that when God calls you to do something, and really what leaders of the church, when they're calling you to do something, they should not call you to do what they're not themselves also willing to do. Uh, Paul is doing what? Uh, he is living in a manner worthy of the calling in which he has been called. Right? He is living in a, in a worthy manner because he has chosen to go to prison for the sake of the gospel. Uh, this is just a reminder for all of us is that um, the Christian life is not uh, 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 always a bed of roses. You know, God has promised us eternity. God has promised us a beautiful inheritance, yet this life is still hard. And if you walk uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will face suffering. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. More and more so in our day, and I think that we have to remember that the persecutions that Americans face is more of the raising of the eyebrow, not the raising of the fist. We're not going to be slapped across the face because of what we believe, but we may be verbally assaulted or mocked or scorned. Uh, and our pride is going to be hurt, but we're going to be physically protected, as, at least uh, as of now. So, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, one who is actually living this way, who is trying to uh, model this for you, this is just a great calling maybe for us who are in the room, who are, who are leaders in the church. This is what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to be models for the church, models of service and models of sacrifice, uh, like the Apostle Paul. Then uh, this is this, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Uh, notice the beginning of the urge there, that is not kind of passive. You know, when we're called to live the Christian life, there is an urgency for us to live um, in a manner that is worthy. So this is not a passive, this kind of a nonchalant, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Um, uh, but this calling, what is this calling? You can just really go back and look at all the, the callings of the first three chapters. Uh, you have been called to be adopted as his sons. You've been called to holiness. You've been called to, the, to be sealed with the, with the Holy Spirit. You've been called to be one people. You've been called uh, to be saved by grace through faith. You've been called to be his workmanship in Christ Jesus. You have been called, right? So notice this, that you have been called, that you who were a sinner should not have been called because of your sin. Because of your rebellion against God, because of your transgressions, you deserve condemnation. And God says, you who are a sinner, come to me. You who are far off, come to me. You who are blind, come to me. We have been called. There's nothing in, our, in, our, in ourselves that would, would, would want us to desire God, but God has opened our, our eyes. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, we were under God's wrath, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and God called us, and our eyes were open. And for whatever the reason, when we heard the gospel, what did we do? We came forth. Let's never forget that we have been called out of the grave, right? That great picture we saw in, in Lazarus. Come forth! Lazarus, come forth! You could put your name in there, right? Carrie, come forth! Keith, come forth! Uh, 
Gary, come forth. That's what happens when we come to Christ. Our name and God calls us to Himself, and undeservedly so, by His grace. So then it kind of gives these, these five markers that, which we are called to. Uh, you see that right there in verse uh, 2, there's five, five, 2 and 3, there's humility with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the calling of, of all Christians. Now, in the first century, there was no uh, word uh, in the Greek uh, or in the Roman vocabulary for the word humility because the Greeks and the Romans despised it. It was something that I mean, even Aristotle, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, Aristotle said that the, 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 the highest virtue is never allowing yourself to be debased or put down, something along that lines. They didn't even have a word for it. Uh, many would say that the Apostle Paul was actually the one who, who, who created the word. Uh, he was the first time in, in, the, in the ancient world he was using this in the Greek uh, vocabulary. Uh, it's two words kind of put together. Uh, this idea of, of, of with all humility, uh, this is the way of the cross. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus did, right? The Lord Jesus had everything. Uh, he who was rich became poor for our sake, that we who were poor might become rich. That's the essence of the gospel. Jesus Christ gave Himself for us. And this is what we're called to do with one another. And we're called to live the life of Christ, to follow Him, to live a life of humility. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because so much in our day is about what? Is about making a name for yourself, about creating a, a persona that people can see you online and have how many likes and followers. Uh, and and we're, not, um, we're, not, we're not free of it in the church uh, much of what's happening in the Christian world is about people trying to make a name for themselves. I mean, you can see the, the humble brags, right? You know, just so glad I'm reading the Bible for the 527th day in a row. Here's a, here's a picture of my, of my Bible as I drink my coffee, right? Uh, you can do that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not thinking of anybody right now, okay? I'm not thinking of anybody, right? Um, but what I think what it, what, it, what it does is that we want people to notice us. We want people to see all that we're doing. And really, the way of the cross is not to draw attention to ourselves, but draw attention to Jesus. Well, how do you draw attention to Jesus? You actually you live the life of Christ. I love the, the story of Francis Schaeffer. Uh, he was speaking at a conference, and uh, he ran into someone who was supposed to be looking for the speaker of the conference, and uh, where, he, where he found Francis Schaeffer was sleeping on the floor next to a bunch of college students, Right? He just didn't consider himself anything of anything of note or of value. Like, I need to have the green room, right? I need to have this special place. He's like, this, this place is fine. I had a blanket and a pillow, and I'm, I'm, and I'm good, right? There's the essence of what we're called to be as Christians, this idea of being humble, which was foreign to the ancient world, right? This is not just foreign to our day. This has been foreign to since the, <laughs> since the fall, right? When Adam and Eve said, it's, it's about, it's, I want my way. God is withholding something. I don't have to listen right? One of the ways you want to test your Christian walk is how do you, how do you respond to authority? So who's, who's in authority over your life? A boss, uh, a parent, um, you know, a spouse, a church leader. How do you respond to that authority? That may be indicative of whether you're living in humility or in pride. With gentleness, both humble and gentleness is how Jesus refers to Himself, Right? Jesus has come unto me. me I, am, I am lowly and humble in heart. Right? Jesus is meek. Another translation here. 
Uh, he uses this in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Some people say meek is power under control. Um, it, it's gentleness, right? It's not about trying to use your, your power for your own good, but it's, it's, just, it's just gentle. You know, humility kind of leads towards uh, gentleness. Um, after gentleness, you see this idea of, of patience with all humility and gentleness with patience. Uh, beloved, how important is this for us, right? Um, we are so tempted not to be patient with people, right? We're so tempted not to be patient with our own children or with our own spouses, right? Uh, because when people are in our lives, they tend to rub us, right? And those are the ones that we often, God has put into our lives so that we would grow in what? Patience, right? I know that you've heard it said, don't ask God to give you patience because He'll give you trials <laughs> and difficult people in your life to, to grow you in patience. And yet, we should all want patience. Why? Because God was patient with you. I mean, we think about our own rebellion and our own uh, process of uh, God wooing us and calling us to Himself. One of the greatest things I do as a pastor is listen to people's stories. And every time they tell me the story about how they were running from the Lord and God called them to Himself. Even today, two stories where God, they were just saying, tears, how patient God was with me. How patient the believers in my life were with me that, 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 that actually captivated my heart, right, to come to, to Christ. God is so patient with us. I pray that we would be known as the people of God who would be patient with people as they grow and they struggle. Because let's just be honest, we all have issues, right? We all have things in our life that we are struggling with. Every single one of us has, right? And that we may have certain things that people may not know about, but we all have things that we're dealing with. And listen, when we're dealing with those things and someone expresses those patience, what do we experience? We experience a little bit of the kindness and grace of God, right? Isn't that what we want to show and display? Let's just be patient. Let's not be critical and harsh and, and condemning. No, let's be patient with others. That doesn't mean that we ignore truth, right? I mean, if, you're, if your children are acting a fool, do something about it, right? Um, but just be patient with them as they are growing. Um, I love how this next one says, this is bearing with one another in love. Um, sometimes that's what you have to do with people, isn't it? Sometimes people get under your skin, they bother you, and what God is calling you to do is to bear with them. Stick with them. Don't give up. Just bear. You know, you think about this, this idea of, of bearing weight, right? Um, when you bear weight, it's, it's not always enjoyable, right? Uh, so if I, had, uh, if I was squatting, right, uh, at the gym and I had all this weight on me, it's not like I want to hold this weight. I want to do what? I want to get it off, right? But sometimes all you can do is just hold it, right? I remember when I first got married, um, we uh, were leaving the, uh, the hotel, uh, heading towards our honeymoon, and um, my, I was carrying all the luggage, right? I had like four bags, and I'm just struggling. And we got, get off the elevator, and my wife just kind of stops, puts her purse on the um, end table, and just kind of starts going through her purse. I go, sweetie. <laughs> this is kind of heavy. And she, she finds her sunglasses. She puts them on, looks at me, shows me her ring, goes, it's forever. <laughs> and just kind of rolled on, right? Um, 
I've been carrying luggage ever since, right? Um, but that's a, that's a joy. It's a gift that I get to do to bear the burden of, of weight for luggage. Anyway, uh, I have shared that story in public before, so she knows that that's, that's, a, that's a story that we have allowed in public, right? And those of you who thought last week that I made a comment about my wife's bad breath, you could go back and listen to the recording. I was talking about my own bad breath, okay? Lynn Flagler. Um, anyway... I shouldn't have brought that up. Anyway, verse 3. <laughs> verse, this sermon went off the rails real quick. All right. Verse 3, right? Um, so you do all these things, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Why? Right? Why? To eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Start at the end. That The peace that we have has been bought by the blood of Christ. Right? So the, the, the peace we have with God, the peace we have with one another, has already been purchased. We have peace, right? We have the, the bond that we have, right? Uh, we sing the family of God every, every Sunday, but what we used to do is every Sunday night, we used to sing the bond of love, right? So this bond is what kind of, kind of connects us, is the peace that Christ has purchased for us in, uh, in, in, his, in the blood of the cross. And we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Throughout the book of Ephesians, what do you see? You see unity, Right? And guys, unity in, in the church, unity in, in family, unity in relationships is like, it feels like holding sand, doesn't it? it just, you, you, it's hard to hold on to. It just kind of seems like it slips through your fingers in all the different, different ways. If we're going to be a unified church, it has to be by the Spirit of God. There's no way that, that we can do it otherwise. Now, I say by doing it by the Spirit of God, I'm not just saying that we do nothing, because as the calling here is what? I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. There's an urgency here. You should be desiring to maintain unity. So how do you maintain unity? One, you be patient with one another. You don't talk about people behind their backs. You, you listen. When they're not here, you don't grumble. Why is so-and-so not around? You, is everything okay? Can I, can I care for you in some way? Right? We should work hard. Hey, maybe, maybe you know, I had a, um, an issue that happened with me the other day, and um, I was, in my flesh, my natural reaction was, was anger. And um, I wanted to create a conflict with a, with a friend. And after the, the initial kind of well up of my own pride, I needed a little bit of the spirit to say, you need to be humble, right? And then I asked myself, what did I do that may have caused this? And I realized that maybe I wasn't being a good friend. Rather than being angry at my friend for not being a good friend to me, I said, well, maybe I'm not being a good friend. And that was the turn. Why? Because I want to be unified. I want to be one. Because when we're one, we, what do we show? We show the Lord. And look at this unity, that, that, that this doctrine, that seven things here that Paul says, so he gives us this charge, and then verse 4, there is one body. Now, I think this one body is, is referring to the church, and this is referring to the universal church. Most of the time when we think about the, the, the way the church is mentioned in the Scriptures, most of it, about 90% of the time, it's referring to the local church, you know, the, the, the universal church expressed in one local body like us, Park Baptist Church, the Church of Corinth, the Church at Galatia. Church of Philippi, the Macedonian church, the Church of the Thessalonica. Here, this one body is the church. It's the universal church, right? 
So just let me just speak this loud and clear. Beloved, we are not in competition with any other local church in town. One of the reasons why we pray for other churches every single week is because we want other churches to grow. We want other churches to grow in, in, in holiness, other churches to grow in godliness. We want other churches to grow in number, right? I send people to other churches all the time, right? Say, listen, if we're not going to be a good fit for you, let us find one that is, right? We don't have to try to convince people to come to our congregation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to. And if they're not meant to be here, guess what? They shouldn't be here because God, the Holy Spirit, does not want to give us to give them to us. There's one body and one Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, who calls us, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. What is this one hope? This one hope is the eternal life that God has promised us in His Son, that because we belong to Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ went to the cross and died and rose again and has said, I'm going to prepare a place for me, and He went to pre- and is preparing a place for us, and He says He's going to come again, we have this hope, this eternal hope for eternal life, that right now we have been raised with Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, the same, the same book. We belong to God. Our hope is not the hope like we have in this world, right? Uh, kind of like the Huddleston men, we hope the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, right? We don't really know it's ever going to happen, right? Um, <laughs> but this idea of hope is not kind of this wishy-washy going back and forth. It's what? It's this sure hope. We, 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 we hope with surety because we know that Jesus Christ died and got out of the grave. That means that when we die, we are going to be raised as well. I think Pastor Sumner said that numerous times on Sunday. One hope, one spirit, and then look at how this connection goes. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Some scholars would say this is what people would say before they went into the water, right? One Lord, meaning that you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord. One faith, the faith delivered uh, once and for all for the saints. This is not just saying that you have faith in Christ. It's probably referring to more the doctrine that you believe. Uh, you believe in the, the counsel of the, the Scriptures. And one baptism. The baptism probably here is probably referring to water. Uh, it could be referring to the Spirit, but in, 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 in the New Testament, water baptism and spirit baptism are not really often marked. You know, when they were, use the word baptism, they kind of mean the same thing. Because if you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, then you, you will be baptized by water, right? That's just kind of what the early church thought. And I, I don't know, I have been talking to lots of people lately, and baptism tends to be a big issue. Right? Why is baptism such a big issue? Well, because baptism is when you go public. And you say, yes, I belong to Jesus Christ. And the enemy does not want you to do that. Why? Well, because there's strength in public confession. Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. And if we go before a body of people saying, I'm committing my life to follow Jesus, right? The devil should be afraid because now you have a whole herd of people who are praying for you, who are saying, with the, the humility, with the patience of God, I am going to bear with you and help maintain unity with you until the Lord causes us home. There's something unique about baptism, and I think this, this push against it might be a reason why it's so important. Anyway, lastly, Paul kind of closes here. He says, and one God, Father of all, 
who is over all, through all, and in all. You see the omnipotence and omnipresence of the Lord. He is everywhere, right? He is God over all, the sovereign one. And this sovereign one is the one who called you, right? So when we think about the calling which God has called us to and the unity that God wants, the patience, the gentleness, uh, bearing with one another, what, what we want is um, we do this because God is with us. You know, the, if you ever watch one of those uh, uh, princess movies, you know, where, um, where am I going here, right? You ever watch those, those princess movies where you have um, the, the, the princess who didn't know she was a princess, right? And, and they have some kind of, you know, really strict kind of tutor, if you will, who's designed to train up the, the next princess in the ways of being a lady, right? So she can kind of take the, 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 the crown. Um, usually, um, they're calling, the reason why they're, throughout the movie, what you see is they're saying, you need to act this way because this is your calling. You are royalty. You belong to God, or you belong to the, the throne. Well, that's what we're called to do, right? But we don't get kind of chastised, probably like in those movies. We get what? We get encouraged. Time and time again, look what God has done for you. Look what Christ has done for you. And because of all that Christ has done for you, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner of the calling in which you have received. I pray that we would all answer the call. Father, uh, we thank you so much for the gospel. And we pray, Lord, that you would just uh, bless the rest of our night. We pray that we would, uh, even now as we pray together, Lord, that you would be growing us in humility and gentleness and patience, that you would help us bear with one another as we create um, and strive for this unity that you have given us in the bond of peace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.